Everybody, good to see you. Glad you're in the room. Glad you're in the house. Those watching online, we love you guys. Uh, last two weekends when I was on uh, vacation, uh, Deb and I worshiped online, and it was cool. I thank God for this digital ministry, but I tell you, it has no, no compare to being in the presence of the bride of Christ with her Lord given worship. So I just got to say, those of you uh, watching online, um, I just want to prayerfully suggest that next week you join us right here. You'll never regret a moment of it. I thank God uh, for all of you. If you're with us uh, for the first time, we're delighted to have you. Uh, you've caught us in the middle of a teaching series called Central Strong, a strong church to help keep you strong. You see, life hurts. Life is hard. It has huge challenges, painful difficulties. But what I found is the stronger we are, the smoother everything, friendship, family, finances, feelings, it all goes better as we're stronger. And today I want to share with you what is likely often the most untold secret of spiritual relationship with Jesus, spiritual strength. Uh, and to illustrate, I have pictures from my vacation. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church? Um, that's why I'm wearing this T-shirt. Uh, probably wouldn't mean anything to you, but it has the name of three of the 14,000-foot peaks. Deb and I have climbed uh, about 20, maybe a couple dozen of them. Uh, but three of them are right in a row where we were staying. I wanted to show you some pictures. This is Mount Albert, the highest mountain in Colorado. Whenever we take friends out there, church people, they always want to climb the highest. So we've been up that one a number of times. It rained last week, so that was Mount Albert in the rain. This is right beside it. This is Mount Massive. It's the second highest mountain in Colorado. And we've climbed it with uh, folks from church before. I'll never climb it again. <laughs> Yee. Mostly because I was having to watch Eric throw up. But other than that, uh, this is the fifth highest mountain in Colorado. This is La Plata Peak. It's uh, the third name on my shirt. And uh, Deb and I were climbing that with others, but they kind of pooped out. Deb and I made it to the summit, signed in. Of course, now all we can do is buy t-shirts and take pictures and go for drives. That's this next, I've shown you all these pictures to show you this one. I see this moment and I'm like, I just get so jazzed. I think this is going to be so awesome. A couple of years ago, we hiked a 12-mile trail through Aspen like that. It's just absolutely beautiful. Last year, uh, we rode bikes 12 miles through a trail like that. So I think we're on this road going like through Aspen Paradise and it turned into an off-road nightmare. And all the while, my debut's going, I don't think this is smart. I don't think we should do this. I think we should... I think we should back, back, and I'm like, it's okay. We have a map. Remember maps? We were reading a map, but we were lost on the wrong road, didn't even know it. And the higher we got on this mountain road in our truck, the narrower, narrower the road became, uh, the steeper the road became, the rockier, not little rocks, big rocks, it became. We finally got to a spot where the, just a huge chunk of mountain out there impassable. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I felt bad for the sake of my, my Debbie. I thought, man, I just ruined her day and we're not going to get down from here. I, the only way to get down is reverse. I thought there would be turnarounds. There's always 
turnarounds. We were trying to find the ruin of a mine up about the tree line. And I thought, well, at least there'll be a turnaround there. I'm going to have to put it in reverse and back all the miles down this road I've come. Dangerous miles. Looked so good on the outset, turned into a nightmare. I want to show you that picture again. When I see this, I, th- I thought it was so appealing, so alluring, so beautiful. And um, it's a good example of how we are tempted into sin. On the outside, looks good. It, I mean, even exciting, get a little adrenaline rush. It looks alluring. It seems appealing, inviting. But we find ourselves, as we drive deeper and deeper into the temptation, we find ourselves in a painful, dead-end, sinful mess. And all you can do, my only recourse on that mountainside was to put it in reverse, shift into four-wheel drive, back out, back all the way out. And I believe that the reason you're here today is because God sees the place, the sin in your life that you need to back out of. A line of thought, a behavior, how readily the wrong words will come out of your mouth. He sees the sin that you need to back out and you just gotta, you just gotta back all the way out. Maybe for you, it's backing out of an addiction and today's the day to back all the way out. Maybe for you, it's backing out of pornography. I mean, you just got to back all the way out. No, no middle measures. All back all the way out. Maybe for you, it's backing out of being angry all the time, hurting people that you love, hurting yourself. Maybe it's backing out of being bitter. Maybe it's backing out of having an unforgiving spirit and you just got to back all the way out and do the forgiveness and get yourself back in a good place. But you got to back out of the dead in sinful mess. We all get there and it hurts. Hurts longer than we thought it would. Hurts more than we thought it would. Hurts more people than we thought it would when we put ourselves in a dead end sinful mess. The Bible calls the back out process. The word the Bible uses for backing out is repentance. Here's what the word of God says. The apostle Peter, one of the good friends of Jesus, he says this, now, not someday, not tomorrow, not this afternoon, Now, it starts now. If you want to get free, if you want to get to forgiveness, it starts now. Now it's time to change your ways. It's your ways. It it was my ways of ignoring my Debbie's inclination, making mistakes with the map. It was my ways that got us to that dead end mess on a mountainside. I mean, we were in a pinch. We were pinned in. On my side of the truck, it was a steep hillside with trees. On Debbie's side, nothing a steep drop-off. It was my ways that got us into the mess. Now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins. I mean, it's so awesome. When you back out, God cleanses you of guilt and shame, cleanses you of every sin, whatever it was, wherever you went, however dark it was, he cleanses it all away. And while you're backing out of the sin, he pours out blessings, showers of blessings. He refreshes you. He restores you. He makes you 100% his best version of you. And he sends you Jesus. 
Because you see, when you're just driving, it seemed so inviting. It's what you'd always dreamed of. And you're driving deeper into that sin. You're driving farther away from Jesus. But when you back out, when you say, now, today, I'm backing out. I'm getting free. I'm getting to forgiveness because I'm getting to Jesus. You back yourself right into the profound, loving presence of Jesus Christ. Given another opportunity to write about this backing out process, Peter said these words, change your life. Turn to God and be baptized. Well, who's he talking about? He's talking about each of you. No exceptions, no excuses, no exemptions. Each of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus so your sins are forgiven. You get a clean slate. You get a fresh start. You put your past behind you. You bury your baggage and you are raised up out of the water. New creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Already this year, over 90 people um, have, have been baptized, given their lives to Christ and joined him in baptism in our church, I mean, one at the last service, one last night, we have a big baptism weekend coming up next weekend. But we all need to change our ways. If we didn't need to change our ways, we wouldn't need Jesus. It's like the lady that was taking an exercise class and the instructor said, be sure to wear loose-fitting clothing. She said, if I had any loose-fitting clothing, I wouldn't need this class. <laughs> if, if I wasn't a sinner deserving of hell, I wouldn't need Jesus, but I am a sinner and you are a sinner. And the back out process is not a one and done. It's a lifestyle. It's every day. I sin every day. You sin every day. So we're going to back out, back away every day, back away from the sin. And so I have begun to practice a simple process that I use every day for backing away from sin. So the words don't come out of my mouth. So I don't make that post on Facebook. So I stop that line of thought that's going dark and hateful. The process is, for me, as easy as ABC. And here's the A. You have to have an awareness of sin. And we live in such an age of denial. When Deb and I were out in the mountains, of course, in the mountains, we were deep. We were staying in the highest inhabited town in the U.S., Leadville, Colorado. No cable, uh, but our little cabin had a satellite dish, and we got one channel. And on our channel was Leave it to Beaver. And I was watching an episode, and as usual, the beef um, was in big trouble. He was having a come-to-Jesus moment with his dad. His dad, Ward Cleaver, uh, said this, Beaver, wrong is wrong. Even if everyone at your school says it's right, it's still wrong. And right, always right, even if everyone says right is wrong. And I thought, as I watched that, I thought, we need that today. There is so much confusion because we love to justify our behavior. We love to justify it when, when stuff comes out of our mouth. We love to make ourselves look good when the truth is it's sin and we need to back out. Here's how the best friend of Jesus said it. He, he said, if you say, if we say we have no sin, we're just clueless. We are fooling ourselves, refusing to accept the truth, refusing to deal 
with our own dark reality. So I want to give us all a, a test, a little survey. I'm going to use the Ten Commandments. You use your ten fingers, and I want you to uh, tabulate on your fingers how many of the Ten Commandments you have never broken. And th this will help you also understand whether you're just a churchgoer or a Christ follower. Because churchgoers, they think they're pretty good people. <laughs> but Christ followers know they are a sinful mess. Peter, the guy that I read from earlier, Peter said, I am such a sinner. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says, I'm the worst sinner there is. I'm the chief of sinners. So let's do the Ten Commandments. See how you're doing. Uh, commandment number one, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. So if you have always put God first in your life, every day of your life, in every area of your life, your finances, your relationships, your time, if you put God first in your life, every day of your life, in every area of your life, then this is a commandment that you can keep a finger up that you have not broke. But remember there's one coming that's thou shalt not lie. <laughs> commandment number two, you shall not make an idol of anything. And so if you have never worshipped a sports team or a dream house or a particular kind of car or a movie star or your pastor, uh, and remember, thou shalt not lie, okay? Uh, number three, you shall not take the name of God in vain. And so if you've never said, oh my God, or use God's name swearing in a worse way than that, uh, then that's one that you've, if you've done that, then that's one you've broken. Commandment number four, remember the Lord's day and keep it holy. If, if you've ever skipped church on the weekend or you've come to church and slept through my sermon, <laughs> that's one you've broken. Next, Commandment number five, honor your father and your mother. If you've never deceived your parents, done something without their knowledge, if you've never disrespected your parents, if you've never disobeyed your parents, then you're all good on this one. But remember, thou shalt not lie is coming. Number six, you shall not kill. And you're like, finally one I can, you know, have a finger for. It's just that Jesus said, here's how you interpret that commandment. If you're angry with someone, it's just like murdering them emotionally. So put your finger back in your pocket. <laughs> Commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Again, Jesus gives his definition of this command. He says, if you even thought about it, you did it. Keep those fingers in your pocket. You shall not steal. If you've never stolen a dollar from your mama's pocketbook, if you've never taken a quarter out of your sibling's piggy bank, if you've never taken an answer off of a classmate's test, if you've never stolen one penny from the IRS, you're all good on this one, but thou shalt not. Oh, there it is. And if you say you have not broken this commandment, you just broke it. The last one, you shall not covet. If you've ever been jealous of someone's house or spouse or car or bank account or body, keep your finger in your pocket. Okay, let's just do a little survey. 
How many here have never broken? How many of you have kept all 10 commandments your whole life? Because I wanted to see if Jesus was in the room. Because only Jesus. In fact, the Bible says the 10 commandments are the ministry of death and they only exist to make us understand, make us aware of our sin. How many of you have, have never broken nine of them or eight of them or seven of them? Dang, this is a wicked church. Uh, you don't need a test from David on the 10 commandments to be aware of your sin. The Holy Spirit does it. Look at the text, John 16, eight, the word of God says, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convince the world, you and me of our sin and the availability, the availability of God's goodness. He finds us in our sinful mess and wants to remind us, wants to make us aware of God's goodness, wants us to back out of the sin. And we, as we're backing out, we're just backing into the goodness of God for our lives. So that's how we start in my truck on the way to church this morning. I was praying this kind of stuff. Lord, I deserted you. I rejected you. I distressed myself with my sin. Yet with loving kindness, you have called me back to yourself. I return to you, Lord. I humble myself and pray and seek your ways. But this, the B part, the second, is um, to be broken over our sin. On that mountainside, I, I was miserable. Things, when things like that happen that I know are my fault, I feel like this huge failure. Even when we went to bed that night, I told Debbie, I'm so sorry for ruining your day because I just thought I had really, really blown it. But I didn't weep. Who oh, wet my pants? Um, no. I, but I have wept over my sin. Not enough. But that brokenness needs to happen in me. Here's what Scripture says. It's a broken heart you want, God. Remorse and penitence. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not ignore. Have you ever felt like God was ignoring your prayers? Like you're praying, you're praying nothing? Could it be that there are areas of sin you've driven your life into, driven a relationship into, driven into emotionally? And God's like, um, I want you to Come into agreement with me about that sin. And then we can, I want you to come into real relationship with me. Then we can work on the other things. The most important thing in your life right now is backing out. Be broken enough to walk away. And what helps me? And I prayed today on my way to church. It helps me to remember that Jesus died for my sin. That every lash that just tore away his flesh, you know, the, the whole intent of the lashing, the whip against his back was to bear his spinal cord. And so I guess if that's what they were trying to do, that they did it. But every stripe on his back was for my sin, was for your sin. When they pulled his beard out by the roots, it was a payment for my sin, for your sin. He was our substitute. When they beat his face beyond recognition, when they bludgeoned his head with a club again and again and again, it was for our sin. When the spikes went into his wrists and his feet, when he died on that blood-stained cross, it was for our sin. What I pray is this. Thank you for making me, Lord, forming me and knitting me fearfully and wonderfully in my mother's womb ordaining every day of my life, knowing full well that I will sin and grieve your heart every day of my life. We have to take our sin serious. 
It's not just like we try to get free of the pornography, get free of the drug, get free of the anger, get free of the bitterness. That we weep over it. The good news is, when we agree with God about our sin, he gives us new life. He completely forgives us. There's nothing that any of us has ever done that could ever change his love for us. He accepts us unconditionally. He forgets the sin. Friends, I am not perfect, but I have been perfected by the shed blood of Jesus. And when you surrender to Jesus and believe he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead, you'll never be perfect, but you have been perfected by the shed blood of Christ. So, awareness of sin, gotta be real. Brokenness over sin, gotta hate it. Don't wanna go there anymore, gotta back out. And three, the C is confession. We confess our sin. Here's the scripture. If we confess our sins to God, now the word confess means to agree. You see, you don't surprise God when you tell him some gross thing that you did or thought. I can't get these thoughts out of my head, Lord. He's not surprised. You're just agreeing. He already knows it's there. He already knows it's done. He already knows it's said. He already knows it's posted. When you confess your sin, you're just agreeing with what God already knows. If we confess our sins to God, he can be depended on to forgive us. Oh my gosh, the slate is wiped clean. He he cleanses and we're cleansed of all guilt and shame. Cleansed from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died for this very purpose to wash away our sin and to validate that it is irrefutably true and beyond debate God raised Jesus from the dead. ABC. Admit it because you're aware of it. Be broken over it because of what it cost Jesus and maybe what it's cost you. And then confess it to God. And you just find yourself in such a good place. Um, On the mountainside where I got my Debbie, and I haven't mentioned that our little dog um, was with us But my Debbie, when we're stuck there, (laughs) thank goodness she didn't say, I told you so. The dog did. I made the dog get out and walk. No, Debbie began to pray out loud. She began to pray, Lord, why have you given me this man for a husband? (laughs) No, she didn't. But she's praying out loud. She didn't like this kind of situation. She's scared. And I'm a little freaked out. And as we're sitting there, Out of the trees, down the mountainside, comes an old mountain man. And he sees us and he stops. And because just a week ago, a professional Jeep driver with two tourists and his Jeep had gone off the side of a mountain and they all perished. He's like, no, 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 don't try to come any farther. You can't this, you can't come any farther. He comes up to my truck and he fell down. That's how bad it was. Gets back to his feet, says, you can't go any further. It's impassable. You're going to have to back all the way down. And I'm like, I've already figured that out, dude. He said, I will help you. And he did. I put it in reverse, four-wheel drive, foot on the brake, and began to crunch the rocks behind me, going back down, making turns. And I would watch him, and I would watch my rearview mirror, because I don't trust that graphic on the dash that has a picture of what's behind my truck. Um, But he would help me negotiate the turns and 
um, on my side, just trees and mountainside. On Debbie's side, in fact, one time I overcompensated to try to come around a curve and the front wheel, the front tire on Debbie's side went all the way off the road, just hanging out there in the air. The guy's like, don't panic. We got this. I'd already panicked. He said, just goose it. I guess that's mountain talk. But I hit it, bam, and we jumped back up onto the road, all four tires, and he did that with me all the way down to that beautiful entrance where the road kind of curved into the aspen. He walked me all the way down. I mean, it was tremendously stressful. It was, I was at the, on my nerve, last nerve the whole time. My Debbie's still praying out loud. And, but when I backed out of that road and was able to get my truck nose in the opposite direction, I got out of the truck. My Debbie gets out of the truck. I walked up to the gentleman, said, I, I could have never done that without your help. And I know you had someplace else to go. Um, and I, I gave him uh, some money. My Debbie gave him a hug, and I think he liked the hug better. Um, but he said, you know, it's the craziest thing. I intended to make a loop of, of that mountain, and I was only halfway on the hike, and it occurred to me, I had a package coming to my home today. And so I just turned right around, started going back and walked right into your truck. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I mean, how do you do that? Somebody didn't even know me, didn't even know what I'm doing, where I'm going. He's on his way and it's like, oh, I got to turn around and go home. And just to make sure it wasn't Jesus, I took him home. But... That is what Jesus has done for me. He has found me and rescued me. He has searched for me until it cost him a cross. He has restored me. He's restored all things to me. And he's done the same for you. That's why you're here today. Your Jesus has rescued you from painful, dead-end, sinful places. And he has redeemed you at the cost of his own shed blood. And he has restored you. And what he's done for you and what he's done for me, he wants to do for everybody in our lives. Because you see, we, me and you, we have neighbors and friends and coworkers and family members who are far from God. They're driving in the wrong direction. Somebody, somebody has got to reach out in their behalf. Just like, we've, just like we've been saved. That's why we have these light bulbs up here. We have Sharpies. Last night in the last service, I wrote the names of people in my life that I know that are far from God. I wrote them on light bulbs and people just streamed down. Last night, my son Jake was so moved by all the people coming forward on Saturday night to write the names of friends and neighbors and coworkers and, and family members who are far from God. Because it's not just that we're writing them on light bulbs. We're going to pray for them. We're going to, when you come back next week, you'll see these light bulbs all up. And when you walk under them into the church, you'll think, my friends are up there. I'm praying for them. Other people are praying for them. I don't want you just to pray on the weekend. I want you to set aside a time every day. I will. My Debbie and I will pray for the people we love who are far from God. We'll do it every day. In two weeks, we're starting a 40-day season of prayer and the word. We're going to do this all the way 
to Christmas. And so I'm going to pray over you. And then I'm going to invite you to the front. And just as I'm writing two more names of people that I love, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Take the light bulb out of this box. Write the names with the Sharpies. Put it in this box. There's a station right over here by the cross with Sharpies and light bulbs. For you guys, there's a station right over here with Sharpies and light bulbs. Would you stand with me? And let's pray. Our Father God, um, you've been so present in our worship today. And I, I, I pray, Lord, that your finger has been on each of our hearts, those places where we need to back out of sin. But right now, Lord, I'd like to ask that you put on our hearts the names of the people in our lives, family members, co-workers, neighbors, friends who are far from you. Lord, we will make it hard to go to hell in this region by making it easy to come to church. We're going to call on the name of Jesus in behalf of those we love. And we're going to remember it every weekend. We're going to remember it every day and pray, pray, pray in the name of Jesus. It begins now as we come, as we write, as we pray. Amen in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.